0: Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together and recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Today, we are continuing our series on the significant events of the Old Testament. Old Testament has a lot of information in it. We're skimming along and just picking up the big ones because they have an impact on us today. The New Testament says these things were recorded for our benefit so we can learn from them and grow from them. Now, there's a difference between how people interacted with God under the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. That's why it's the Old Testament and the New Covenant. Testament, New Covenant, we now live under grace, the dispensation of grace. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But in the Old Testament, they lived under the dispensation of the law, the law of Moses, very strict uh, that they had to follow. Now, uh, in review, what we read is that God comes, tells Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Pharaoh didn't want to do it. He fought it. All kinds of plagues came on until finally Pharaoh relented. And he let the people go. So these people come out in glorious fashion, and God does incredible things for them. He does everything for them. They don't have to do jack. They didn't even have to try to get their own food. Every morning, there was manna from heaven, meat, uh, water. I mean, whatever they needed, even out in the middle of the desert, God would miraculously take care of them and did virtually everything for them. It did them little to no good because they didn't have any faith. Sometimes people say, well, man, why doesn't God just do everything for us? Because it's not good for you anymore than have your parents do everything for you. It's not good for you. You don't grow up. You don't mature. So the Lord had had it up to here with these guys. So for 40 years, they wandered out in the wilderness. He waited for that stubborn generation to die off. Then their kids grew into adults, and then they took them into the promised land. But things change now when they go into the promised land. God doesn't do everything for them. They have to go and fight for it themselves. Now, he says, I will be with you and I will bless you and I'll help you succeed. And he did. But now they had to do something. A lot of learning from that as well. Actually, I've seen Christians struggle with this concept. They still expect God to do everything for them. They sound so spiritual. I'm just trusting God to do this. and I'm waiting for God to tell me to do that. And it's just talk. It's just air. You know, you know how many people today, if you go to them in church and say, do you guys volunteer at all in church? They go, no. And you ask them, why not? Go, well, I'm, I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do. What are you, Moses? For heaven's sakes. You know, find something to do and go do it. Find something you're interested in do or find something that disgusts you to no end and volunteer for that. Either way, I don't care. Find something to do. So well, I don't know if it's in my heart. You know, we really get up, caught up in this heart nonsense I know you have pure hearts, but your motivations of your heart are really of little interest to God. What matters is what you do or what you do not do. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus gave us a parable. Two sons. Comes to the first son says, son, go work today in my vineyard. Son goes, absolutely. I love it. He has a good attitude, but he didn't do it. Goes to the other son said, says, son, go work. Ah, I don't want to go. I hate the stupid vineyard. Bad attitude, but he goes and does it. Jesus said, which one did the will of the Father? And he said, the one who went and did it, see. Sometimes we get a little too, even as parents, I know you want to try and get your kids to have good attitudes, but at some point, who cares? Just do it. Well, I don't really want to do it. Who cares? I don't want to feed you. Do it. <clears throat> All right? Always waiting for God to do something for you. I've literally talked to people. They'll say something like, you know, I'm really praying for God to give me a job. Said, Great, have you started looking yet? And they go, no. Why not? Well, I'm waiting for God to bring me a job. Are you crazy? It sounds so spiritual, right? Oh, I'm waiting for God. <laughs> what they do is sit in their butts and stay unemployed, sucking off the rest of us. Somebody say amen. amen. Get a job, you little squirrel. <laughs> All right, go look for something. Wait for God to bring you a job. It's like me... Losing my glasses, and I'm sitting here crying. Oh. <laughs> I pass. Pastor, what's wrong? I'm like, I can't. I've lost my glasses. So I'll help you find it. No, no, I waited for God to bring them to me. <laughs> well, you tie me up, take me to the loony bin, for heaven's sakes. So I'm waiting for God to do everything. And one of the worst areas this is, is when it comes to people today looking for a spouse. And there is no more craziness taught in churches today than among single Christians. People, you know, I, I talk about marriage all the time. People say, Do you like speaking to single groups? I hardly ever do it. They hate me. <laughs> they don't like me at all. Why? Because I knock over all their nonsense, I expose their stupidity. They don't like it. It's like telling somebody, you know, there's not really a tooth fairy. And if you just heard that for the first time, I apologize. All right. <laughs> They're all shocked and freaked out. <laughs> I'm Just wait, you know, how many, you can virtually go to any Christian of any denomination, anywhere in the world, singles. And they'll say, well, I'm just waiting for God to bring me a husband. I'm waiting for God to bring me a wife. What a bunch of nonsense. That's not the way it works. The Bible never teaches that. The Bible says, he who finds a wife. Everybody say, find. That means you got to look. Hello, hello. Where are you? You got to look. You got to make some effort. You got to engage. I got a letter once from a lady who lived on a Caribbean island. She was upset with me. She says, you talk about finding. But on the island that I live, there are no Christian men. What am I supposed to do? There's no men on my island. I wrote back and said, move. <laughs> How dumb are people, for heaven's sakes? You aren't a man, and there's a the man on the island you are. You got to move. You talk about looking. Well, where do I look? Everywhere. <laughs> well, how long? Until you find one. I don't know. God will help you. I believe God will help you, just like He helped the Israelites take the land. But He's not going to do it for you. You need to go look. I know you get discouraged. Oh, I can't find anybody. You know, oh, what about the internet? Even the internet. <laughs> because women get so discouraged with the internet. There's a lot of squirrels on the internet. Internet dating, I mean, there's a lot of, oh, good Lord, creepy people. The good news is it's relatively easy to see, right? The crazy people, the nice thing about crazy people, usually you can tell they're crazy. (laughs) It's not a mystery to anybody. I'm not trying to gross you out or anything this morning or give you the collywobbles. Word of the day, collywobble. It means something that makes you yeah. But you know, how. and if this happens, you don't raise your hand because I know what's happened to a bunch of you. But. You know how many women engage a guy on the internet dating? They seem like a nice guy and within sometimes minutes, the guy will email them a picture of their willy. <laughs> Who does this? Seriously? Who looks at that and thinks... Everybody needs to see this <laughs> This is crazy Pass I wish you wouldn't talk about it. I wish I didn't have to talk about it. You know how many people do this today? It's insane and So help me you young men do not do that if I find out you're sending pictures You're Willie. I'll come to your house stick your head in the toilet and give you a swirly <laughs> You girls, don't be sending pictures of your woohoos and everything else, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> People have lost their ever loving mind. Crazy. <laughs> I, I don't get it. You know, I've been around for a long time. You know, I was born back in the late 1800s. <laughs> and I've been in a lot of shower rooms and stuff with guys. Never once in all these years have I ever seen a guy walking around in the buff and thought, "That's a good-looking Willie." <laughs> not, not one time. <laughs> Never. Who does this? It's insane. Stop it. Now you got the collie wobbles. <laughs> <laughs> And if you see someone do that, you dump them immediately. Right, Amen? Right, you don't keep... You usually see the emails like, Pastor, I met this guy. He's a really nice guy. But that's when you... Oh, boy, here we go. And then you get a list of all the crazy stuff. They do that. If they do crazy... They're not nice guys. Nice guys don't do stuff like that. You get away from them. But I know you girls, you oh, I can fix them. <laughs> <laughs> No, you can't. It will change after we get married. No. And seriously, you know, I, I get singles, couples ask me to help them with relationship counseling. And I always say, no. Well, maybe you can help us. Maybe, but I ain't going to do it. If you need marriage counseling before you get married, you're crazy time to move on right if it walks like a skunk talks like a skunk and smells like a skunk it's a skunk just move on now if you already married him you're in i gotta work on you then <laughs> don't be coming to me you're dating something oh we're having such horrible pro-. that means dump his butt that's what that means move on Mark just move on leave it alone okay so out of Egypt God does everything in the promise that God is with him and now we enter a time in the Bible we're going through the old testament right high points a time in the Bible where God is relatively silent the same thing actually happens today see God starts out talking to them the Ten Commandments, all these miracles, all this stuff, and finally, then he kind of gets quiet. Same thing with us. Jesus comes, does all these miracles. The prophets or the apostles come do all these cool things setting up the church, and now it's relatively quiet. You don't see God riding on stars anymore. Why is that? Because God is not in a habit of repeating himself. Amen. All the parents said amen. How many parents do we have? You ever find yourself having to repeat yourself? Over and over. And over again these kids egg it on they keep asking the same question over and over and over again (laughs) right they they ask it and then they ask it again and then they ask it again and they ask it again and they ask it again you just want to (laughs) God is not in the habit of repeating himself he's God when he says stuff stuff happens the Bible says God said let there be light and boom there was light he didn't have to negotiate with anybody. When God says stuff, it happens. Then he runs into us, <laughs> and he finds himself trying to repeat it. But then he stops. He won't keep repeating it. People say, "Well, I want to know what God's will. You want to know what God's will is? You want to know? What God's will is? Read the Bible." But see, a lot of people they're, 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 they use spirituality as an excuse or a cover for their laziness. They don't want to read the Bible. They'll say something, well, I'm just waiting for God to tell me what to do. Really? Read your Bible. Read it. It'll tell you. Well, I, I, I want God to tell me to either work at McDonald's or, or Burger King. God don't care. He right, not care about piddly stuff like that. The will of God is who you are, the kind of person you're supposed to be. You want to find the will of God? Open up the Bible, read your New Testament, and see. It's pretty simple. You start reading it, all of a sudden the lights start going on. You get a picture of what you're supposed to do. Why? Because God has already said the way you're supposed to do it. Now you are supposed to read it and find out. He's not going to appear to you in the form of an angel and tell you what to do. All right? So that's what happens. Very quiet time. And what basically happens now is God has said, this is how you live, this is how you don't live. That's what he told them in the Old Testament. And if you do the right thing, I will bless you. If you don't do the right thing, I will kick your butt. And we read about it in just before Moses dies. He tells them, if you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands I give to you today, the Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. If you obey the Lord, your God, you will be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb, your children, will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. And if you keep reading about it, there's more and more lists of blessings, 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 blessings. God loves to bless his people. He does. Which brings me to another subject. Not looking for fights here. But I've heard parents, I don't know where they get this stuff. Somebody on a book somewhere on a Christian radio say, I don't know. They say, you know, you should not reward your children for doing the right thing. We don't believe bully- rewarding <laughs> <laughs> our children for doing the right thing. Really? What Bible exactly do you read? God is constantly rewarding people for doing the right thing. Even Jesus comes, and, and, and look at this. In Luke 6, he says, give, and what? And it will be given to you. Well, if Jesus thought like these people, he would just say, give. No reward, just give. Now, I'm not saying you give them 10 bucks every time they pick up their underwear. I'm not saying that. All right? But using reward to enha- encourage your children is a positive thing. It's what God does. Now, you don't want to do it, do your own thing. I'm telling what the Bible says. God has always been this way. And he gives one command, one word command, give. He could have ended it right there, but then look at all the words he uses after that. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. That sounds like a reward system to me. All right? Heaven and hell. Kind of a big reward system going there. Everything God loves to bless people. He will reward your life if you will honor him and put him first. No question about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your life will be blessed and you will highly succeed if you will trust him. Then you got the other side. However, Moses says, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the country. Your basket in your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land will be cursed. The calves of your herds will be cursed. The lambs of your flocks will be cursed. You will be cursed when you come in, cursed when you go out. And if you keep reading it, it gets a long list of very specific, somewhat very graphic curses. He wasn't messing around. God spoke to them clearly. This is what I, if you'll do this, I will reward you. If you do this, do not do this. I will punish you. Now, you mean God's going to go around and give us curses? No. Again, we live under a different dispensation. We live under the New Testament, a dispensation of grace. But even then, the basic concept still kicks in. If you'll honor God, he will bless you. If you disobey him, he will kick your butt. We read about it in the New Testament, in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And have you forgotten, completely forgotten, this word of encouragement? (laughs) Not only have people completely forgotten, most people have never even read it. I'm telling you, we got a problem today. Biblical illiteracy at an all-time high in the church. Most people that go to churches, they almost never read the Bible. Or if they do read it, they read little bits and pieces they find in a devotional book somewhere. They've never read They don't know what's in it. And that's why they're so confused. And they struggle. Look, you don't want to read it. Nobody's going to force you to read it, but you're going to struggle. You want to succeed in life? Read it. Learn about it. Come to our Bible studies on Wednesday nights. When we start them up again in the fall, this is when you learn about all these things. He says, have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not like lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. One of the worst things that I see for people who claim to be Christians that they start doing really bad things, committing adultery, doing all kinds of lying, stealing, cheating, and nothing happens to them. Their lives are just fine. You know what that is a sign of? That they were never really children of God in the first place. And everybody said, well, we're all children of God. Not really. Jesus said we're all children of the devil until we come to faith. That's when you really become a child of God, when you surrender your heart to God. That's when you become a child of God by faith. And once you become a real child of God, now you start acting in those ways, things are going to go very badly for you. And it's God smacking your rear. I've seen people like this fighting and doing bad things, wrong things. They get sick. They struggle financially, everything's going wrong with them. They're depressed, they're stressed out, they're they're under a bad cloud. Why? They're getting their butts whipped. Problem is a lot of people aren't even aware of it. You have to understand, God will, you get off the reservation, God will take you to task. And he will whip you one way or another. Not in a harsh, horrible way, but as a, a parent disciplines a child. Moreover, he says, we all have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, (laughs) indeed not, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. These principles still stand, even in our time of grace. Great blessings when we do the right thing, and discipline from God when we do the wrong thing. Now, a lot of people struggle. They don't really know what's going on in their lives. They can't tell if they're just enduring a trial, if it's just normal stuff that you encounter in life, or if they're under the discipline of the Lord. When you get in a place where you're not sure what's going on, that's the time to come and get help. That's the time where you come and you talk to your pastors, or you talk to people in the church that you respect, Because the Holy Spirit is there to give us the spirit of discernment. Oftentimes, you sharing with someone else, they can see what's going on. And they will help you. Once the light becomes clear, then you know how to deal with stuff. But if you're not sure, you need to find out. All right? So, it starts out. God does everything for them. Then they go into the promised land. Well, they've got to fight for it themselves. And now we enter this time of relative quiet, as far as God speaking. And now they're just supposed to do what God told them to do. Do the right thing, I will bless you. If, I, if you do the wrong thing, I will discipline you. So now when you get to this part of the Bible, this is called the period of the judges, all right, where God would use judges to help the people. So here's what happens. He promised them, do the right thing, I'll bless you. Don't, I'll kick your butt. So what do they do most of the time? The wrong thing. It's stunning. You read the scripture and it's like over and over and over again. They intentionally, deliberately just keep doing the wrong thing. And they get themselves in trouble and have all kinds of problems. And in the midst of their problems, they would cry out to God for help. And God would bring them someone to help them. And they called them for whatever reason. They used the word these judges that would come and straighten things out. Uh, and we're not going to get into all of them, but we're going to hit just a few of the highlights. The most famous one is Samson. We're going to get into the story of Samson in a few weeks. Fascinating story. This guy was thick as a brick. Unbelievable. But God used him nonetheless. We're going to look at his struggles as God uses this guy with his great strength to deliver Israel. We're going to be talking about Gideon next week. Fascinating story of how God used this guy who was a coward and turned him into a great warrior and a great man. It's fascinating stuff. So these are the periods of the judges. We're going to pick like two or maybe three of them. We'll go through those. Then we get to the kings, and that's when we find King David and all these other kings, and we won't go through all of them because that takes forever. We're just going to hit the highlights, and that'll pretty much wrap it up for us in this series of hitting some of these really significant events in the Old Testament. Again, you read in the New Testament that the reason these things are written and why we should look at them It's because we'll get lessons from them about how we are supposed to live, and that's what we've been focusing on. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your grace to us. We thank you that we do live in a time of grace and that we can come to you and we can know you. Lord, help us to learn, to be wise. Help us to intentionally do the right things so that we might walk in your blessings. We thank you that you love us enough to smack us around if we're not. And God, we pray that you help us know the difference and understand what's going on. And Lord, for anybody here today who's never really surrendered their heart to you, I pray they might come to that and make that step, that real step of faith where they would surrender their heart to you so they could start walking in your blessings and grace and experience true forgiveness in their lives by putting their trust in Jesus. For this, we give you thanks. And everybody said Amen. amen. Have a great day.